A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Ahsoka Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm John. And I'm David, and this is our coverage of the Star Wars Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, Season 1, Part 7, Dreams and Madness. In this podcast, we'll be doing a mixed plot and character-based analysis of the episode and answering listener feedback. We've also got another great voicemail from Alicia about a night sister named Ventress, who was name-dropped in the episode for the first time in live action. Very cool. If you've got feedback, you can email us to starwars@thelorehounds.com, or head over to our website and either use the contact form or voicemail feature. You can also chat with us on our Discord server. We've got a special channel all set up for Ahsoka, as well as a general Star Wars channel. We've got a fun and welcoming community. We look forward to chatting with you there. Links for both feedback and the Discord server are in the show notes. And if it works for you, consider subscribing to our Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you get early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts, as well as a ton of exclusive benefits. But if you don't mind ads, you can always find us on all the major podcasting platforms, as well as Spotify and YouTube. We've got a dedicated Star Wars feed set up, so you might be on that now. If you're only interested in Star Wars content, stay subscribed to this feed or... If you want all the nerdy content in the world, go to the general Lorehounds feed. Just search for the Lorehounds in any of those services. Also, one last little ask. Can you rate and review us? Those help our visibility. And the more people that can see and listen to our podcast, the better we're able to produce all kinds of different projects that we've got. Hu Yang was impressed by 20 or more recordings by Anakin. <laughs> That's right. We've got like, what, 150 episodes now? We put Anakin to shame. Seriously. Uh, this is your general purpose spoiler warning, of course. We're going to be talking about all things Star Wars. Uh, you know, we're newer to the deeper lore, but uh, we're eager fans. We're always looking to we're improve our there, knowledge. Though. So, we're yeah, building. I think I think we can bring in a lot of stuff now. So, yeah. But if you, if you hear a gap in our knowledge, if you hear something we got wrong, please feel free to write in with that. John. Yes, David. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to continue from there. <laughs> you faked me out. Well, I was going to say it's time to whoop a whoop a. Whoopa whoopa. It's time to circle up hover uh, turtle <laughs> shells. Yeah. That's what Ezra said to the naughty. He said whoopa whoopa. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't Fun. know about that. A lot, of, a lot of good language work in these Star Wars shows, huh? <laughs> so what was your overall impression of the episode? I thought it was great. I think this season keeps ramping up. I'm really looking forward to the finale. 
I am deeply worried that we are not going to get a satisfying resolution. Yeah. However, I'm not going to, you know, cry about it until that happens. Right. right. I mean, I, I think that it could be, I think somebody brought up like, right. They could have a 90 minute episode for the finale and then we would all be, you know, laughing all the way to the, to the fan service. It's a uh, Rick Fumaiwa. Uh, I don't think I could pronounce his name correctly, but you did it. <laughs> Close way. enough. And he always brings some fire to his lots of action. I think he's a known, if, uh, I believe, I, I could be wrong, but I believe he's known as one of the more action oriented directors in the Star Wars you know, TV show world. Yeah, I think that they have done their work on the character development and the plot setup. And we, they've earned a big battle episode, right? Mm-hmm. You need to earn that. You need to get people invested in the players to satisfyingly pull that off. And I think they've gotten there. So I hope that there is a very cool battle in space or in, on this planet. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dave Filoni has cooked up with this finale. Sure. Do you think? Do you think there is a season two? So, yeah, we were talking about this on the Discord today. And uh, Cyrus mentioned some possibilities because I asked if anybody knew if there was any hard news about mm-hmm. a season two. And uh, Cyrus was like, well, you know, we could have a extra long uh, final episode, we could have a cliffhanger and then fill in gaps with uh, Mandalorian and then the movies. We could get a full on season two of Ahsoka, or we get an unsatisfying resolution to this, you know, big buildup. And I was like, okay, I'm good with one through three, but number four, I riot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, if if they are going to kick it to the movie, fine. I mean, we have moved on in the timeline we learned in this episode. So they are building to something post yeah. Moff Gideon. Right. And uh, yeah, we got I mean, a name I, drop I guess, in this episode. Yeah, it wouldn't be that satisfying if they kicked it, but I, I wouldn't be mad either. You mm-hmm. know? Right. Anyway, what do you think of the episode? Pretty good. I, I wasn't sure where I landed. I'm, I'm enjoying myself this season. I'm having a, a really great time. Uh, I feel like they're they set a pace. They're keeping to it. They're telling a, a really nice story. There's a little mm-hmm. slop around some of Morgan, you know, Morgan's plot not being known by the council. I mean, Huyang okay. did a full scan. He was with Hera on the planet surface. Why the hell doesn't Mon Mothma have the schematics? I mean, that ship is a uniquely designed ship. It is not just some run-of-the-mill freighter right. or something so so i just feel like there's a little bit of rough edge there but you know whatever that's i fine. guess i mean what, what do you want them to do say like well who yang had to blast off quick of the soka so they didn't have a chance to do transfer i mean I but it's it was slop it was it, it's just so. it's just kind of slop right. but um yeah i i was curious too do you think that they're t- well let's see I'm trying to think if they t- if they're telling thrawn's story well enough i think so i'm not hearing people complaining about you know Thrawn's character. I think people get mm-hmm. it and get who he is and why he's such a danger. So I think they're doing yep. a good job there. I'm a little frustrated. Maybe my my dissatisfaction was a little bit in my um, lack of, I'm, I don't feel like I've got a clear enough motive for mm-hmm. what Balin is up to. And I would love okay. a little bit more hard evidence. Uh, episode seven, yeah, we got one more to go. And I still have, it's just, he's got, vague idea he's cutting shin loose mm-hmm. I, I, i'm really I, there's just 
you know, I just needed more, you know, yeah. uh, at, at this stage. And I just don't feel like, so, you know, whatever these are, I'm picking nits here. Yeah. Um, I think our first spot of really bad CGI was in this episode when Ahsoka tumbles out from the shuttle and she sort of does this rolling land. Okay. It's it's hor- It's really bad. <laughs> it's re- it was really. You bad. care about that kind of thing more than I do. That's, I just that's noticed fine. it. It's it just like it was a noticeable <laughs> thing, and they because they're normally yeah. they are great, and it's it's gorgeous. So the D Anakin looked good, but I think it's easier when it's a hologram. Yeah, yeah, because they can do all the sort of superficial yeah. surface effects. The um, I think though, even though you know, I might have a couple of nits on this episode. I'm I'm criticizing from love. I'm not, I'm not, this is not hate. And I, when I was doing my rewatch today, one of the things that I really noticed is, is that when I slowed down and I was really close because I was on my computer mm-hmm. and I could really have, you know, I had a good clean screen and I could see up close and I'm listening with the, with the headphones, mm-hmm. the acting, there is so much rich acting that's happening here, yep. but it's operating at a very subtle level. It's little looks on their faces. Sabine being sh- sort of chagrined about not telling the truth or something like that. Mm-hmm. The emotions are playing there, but they're very subtle. And right. we're, you know, if you're watching on a big screen or you're waiting for the action or what have you, it's easy to miss. Or when Ahsoka uh, re- has the reunion with Ezra and Sabine, there's all these looks that get passed. Or when Balin is thinking about, you know, after Ahsoka gets away. There's there's all these looks that pa- pass across his face, and they can get easily lost in the bigger yeah. um, space battle of it. He's all. he's really good at facial acting. Very he's good. really really good. I and, mean, and I, I also enjoyed Mon Mothma. You know, yeah. with her expressions oh, during the council uh, yeah, meeting, that was great. Yeah, yeah. Everyone did a great job in this episode. So it's really about there's there's a subtlety that's going on through this entire season. Mm-hmm. I think that's really where. This show is hitting the mark. It's not a intense drama like Andor, of course, which we loved, and it's not you know silly gunfighter Mando. It's something of its own, and I think that's really great. And I really am appreciating this new space that they're carving out for us. Yeah, yeah, it's something. It's something in the middle, but yeah. yet something new, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Which is. Uh, what the Jedi Order should be. Anyway. Um. <laughs> Quick shout out for the director of this episode, uh, Gita Vansett Patel, I believe is her name. And I just okay. love the fact that, you know, she's got a pretty good career. Uh, if you look on her uh, Wikipedia page, she's got a lot of titles under her belt, but it's really great to see them really continuing to broaden out who they're bringing in as directors. This is her only episode this season. I just want to give a, a big shout out to her because I thought this, you know, there's a lot of great stuff in this episode. Definitely. Definitely. So. Well, David. Yes. You ready to chat about the episode? Whoopa whoopa. Whoopa whoopa. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop saying that. I oh, don't, I, no, I don't like going. that one. <laughs> keep going. How you doing? Yeah. How you um, doing? Uh, whoopa whoopa. Yeah. So, uh, well, so, you know, when I rewatched the episode today, I was putting the, the outline together. It was a little... You know, is this is this a plot driven thing or a character driven thing? We've done a little bit of both on previous episodes, and then this one kind of mashes together a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think we've got Hera and the Council, Ahsoka, uh, Huyang, and the Purgles, Thrawn and the Night Sisters, Sabine and Ezra, Balin and Hattie, and then we have the big battle. And there's a bunch of stuff that happens in the big battle. So that's sort of the way I, I loaded it out. So it's a little bit of character and a little bit of plot. Makes that sense. One for you? 
Okay. Makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, Hera and the council. Can I just say? Yeah. I can say. It's my podcast. <laughs> uh, can I just say that they are doing everything possible to make me hate uh, Senator Siono? Oh, right. Totally. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Now he's a droidist. <laughs> Droidism oh, rears This guy who sucks, heads. guess yes. what? He's also a racist. Mm-hmm. Yep. They really am not. They're not playing him. They're, 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 yeah, they're showing us the dirty side of this guy. Well, but also we know from the Resistance series that eventually his planet's going to get blown up because exactly. of his blind eye. Exactly. Largely because the, the New Republic failed to deal with his Imperial remnant because it didn't take it seriously. Uh, yes. And that was something that he he specifically says, Imperial remnants, right? Right. Uh, and he's trying to, you know, look, those are just boogeymen. It's just shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not really a real threat. And I yep. loved that Carson Teva stood up and he's like, yeah, but what about Mandalore? And Enziono's like, oh, no, that was just a minor blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, that was really, really serious. Mm-hmm. There was some serious stuff going on there. And what they don't realize is that that's all part of the Thrawn axis, right? They, they were building yeah. the Thrawn. Uh, I loved Mon Mothma's smirk when Hera burns him she's like she suppressing. did not authorize her mission well, she did eventually that was that was a great line uh yeah so it was really good stuff what did you think of 3po i thought he i thought he looked fine i didn't notice anything wrong with him until you were complaining about it on the discord <laughs> yeah sorry i just it was like an uncanny valley thing for me okay uh, with him what was wrong about it he was leaning, his upper body was leaning too far back. Okay, the, yeah. the wiring in his abdomen looked like a person in a, you know, a bodysuit underneath. And then with it, they just had a few hand, you know, wires pulled down, you know, it, it just looked right. off. And I, he felt shorter than he normally does. I don't know. So they were just these little Or maybe things. Harris just pretty tall compared yeah, to the, the humans he's normally with. It was off. Uh, right. And I'm not saying bad. I'm just saying... They had to recreate it. And, you know, how many times have I seen 77? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I unknown, but that stuff is burned into my synapses at a very deep level. So if anything's off, like Vader's helmet, if it's got a little too much flare in it, you know, I, I, I pick up on that stuff. It's just, I can't, I can't avoid it. Okay. So, Fair enough. But that's just me. It's just Uncanny Valley. So. Yep. I was a little worried for Chopper. Because, okay. you know, when he started, uh, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's always in trouble. That's just who he is. He's in a, you're in a court of law. You know, they could fish you out and drag you up and start charging you crimes there. And so. yet Teva is telling him, you know, keep it down. Chill. Yeah. But Teva is the one who shouted at <laughs> Senator Shiono <laughs> saying, well, what about Mandalore? Yeah. Which was an important line because that tells us that this is after the end of the Mandalorian season three. Yeah. But other than that, um, <laughs> just kind of funny. Just kind of funny. He's a little hypocritical, Teva. Did you, uh, were you grooving on uh, Mon Mothma being back? I love Mon Mothma. Yeah. I mean, we it's just, it's just such a, a strange thing to see her in, in this property. And so full on, not even just a hologram, right. but to right. actually have her fully. There. Right. Right. No, I like that we're getting her in more properties. I mean, we saw her last in, chronologically, we saw her last in um, Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Was it? Was that it? Yeah. I yeah. Guess. She's originally an OT character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I know. So yeah, we saw I think her. It was in, Return um, of the Jedi. She was in, and we saw her in Rogue One. So right. But God, Genevieve O'Reilly's such a good actor. When she she's is. talking to Hera, just the subtleties in her voice and body language. I, I just really love seeing her. Um, you know, just seeing more of her in general. So 
So she's the first high chancellor, right, of the New Republic. We know that. Mm-hmm. What happens to her by the sequel trilogy time? Is she already gone? Has she died? Because it's been another 30 years. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, Maybe we'll the Filoni movies will, uh, movie will, will talk about that. We'll get some Filoni baloney about it. It will make seeing season two of Andor really interesting because we know that she'll make it out of. I mean, we already knew that, right? Yeah, we did. Obviously. Um, (laughs) But it's like it's closer now. It's not it's we've got actual uh, track laid for her after this. So sure. Yeah, she's going to make it into a new political situation. That is good. But although I think we I think we knew before this that Mon Mothma was going to be. The High Chancellor. I think it's mentioned at some point sure. in the canon. There's more. In, I guess what I'm saying is there's more intimacy now with her yeah, story. Yeah. And so, you know, what's going to happen to her husband? What's going to happen to her daughter? How are they mm-hmm. going to get out of this stuff? So, yeah, we haven't seen any of those. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Mon Mothma is a super fascinating character that is, I think, underutilized in the live action stuff, especially in the movies. I mean, she's barely in both of them. Right. And um, I'm glad that Dave Filoni has taken an interest in doing some exposition on her. Mm -hmm. I guess so is Tony Gilroy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, she was just a shadowy figure in, you know, the early movies. We didn't really. Right. You know, she was just almost an extra you right know, in the you know standing over the radar screens and that kind of stuff so yeah she's in rebels a bunch she's in clone wars so she's been around in the animation but in live action not so much rebels actually it's interesting she's the one who has to say to ezra no we can't help you re- uh, liberate lethal we can't oh, that's right we yeah. can't devote resources to it so she there we shut go down the, yeah. shut down the rebels crew <laughs> and now she's like but why senator Shiono, are you being so mean to these people right <laughs> And then having to play games with Leia, playing footsie with Leia. Yeah, Leia, that was a clever way to nod to her and to make it feel like we are in that time period without having to deal with Carrie Fisher's death. Right, right. I think it, it was fine. It, it lets us know where we are and mm-hmm. it lets us know that, yeah, those characters are. Yeah, because it does feel weird. I like. I think we talked about this when we were going to Cetos of it seems really weird that you would not call the guy who defeated the Empire right. to go fight other lightsaber-wielding villains right. of the Empire, right? right? I, I, I just don't, I don't see a universe where that makes sense. I still think that doesn't make sense. They could have at least thrown me a, uh, Luke's dealing with an Imperial remnant in this sector. All right, well, let's not bother him. You know? mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Was that, speaking of other characters, was that Akbar sitting next to Ziono? Was it? I guess. I guess. I didn't pay close enough attention to now make a verdict. But if you think so, then I'm I'm with you. I, I'm not sure. I haven't watched the new Rockstars or, you know, equivalent mm. uh, breakdown video, but I'm sure that information is out there. Yeah, the... the <laughs> The I think Akbar is one of the people who started controversy in the sequels, right? Because they killed him, and people were like, "Why would you kill Admiral Akbar? <laughs> He's the, the best." Love. Yeah, cool. All right, so that was our little cold open scene, sort of pre-title mm-hmm. card, um, and then we get into a whole bunch of stuff with Ahsoka, Huyang, and the Purgles, and we've got some different subcategories in here. We've got Ahsoka training with the whole of Anakin. We've got the whole space mine thing and then hiding in the debris field. So mm-hmm. I really liked the hollow, uh, the, the hollow lessons, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, we saw those a little bit in rebels too. We saw her opening them and, and Ezra actually opened one and was watching him. And 
And as I think Ahsoka tells her, that's my master. You know, okay. that was my master. He's a good teacher. Right. And th- speaks fondly of him because this is before she knows for sure he's Darth Vader. Right. Right. She finds that out on Malachor when she duels him and she knocks half his faceplate off. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting that I, I in my head canon, the last time she looked at those recordings was before that duel. Interesting. And she's only now gotten at peace enough with herself and the memory of Anakin to watch these again. Right. You know who Yang says, I had no idea. Well, why did he have no idea? Because she's never done it before. Right, right. It'd be interesting to go back and look at the earlier episodes of this season because when they're training and she's got that little training closet open with all the, um, you know, practice swords and and helmets and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. I don't remember seeing a wooden box sitting in there. So I wonder if she fished it out from someplace and then now she's that was got under it the floor. That yeah. was under the floorboards. <laughs> exactly. And now it's out. And that that really is a marker of her, as you say, you know, she's coming to terms with and we were talking about this on the Discord a little bit today. Can you love Anakin and oppose Vader? Yeah, I think so. And and be in that can you love she can think of him as a good master. But yet here's a guy who's, you know, committed genocide. You know, he wiped out a whole mm-hmm. Tuscan Raider village, you know, women and children all, you know, not to mention all the other stuff he's done. So there was a well, good conversation about Vader killing Anakin or, mm-hmm. you know, was Anakin still in there and how was he brought out? So I think it's a really right. interesting conversation and an interesting um, thing to think about is, yeah, you know, she can love him and and really miss him and still uh be via you know uh, very strongly opposed to darth vader who he became right right? i guess there's also no point in actively opposing darth vader now that he's dead right now she can or what vader stands for and all that stuff so yeah it's easy to be like i'm against the empire darth vader was part of the empire he's not a problem anymore now i can now i can be at peace with the memory of anakin Although, mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, Anakin committed his first slaughter of a village before they even met. Exactly. Because that was episode two before the Clone Wars started. Yep. She becomes his Padawan during the early days of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And how does she make her peace with that? Is she is that part of her legacy? That's still a question for her that I think she's starting to move on from. And is this something that can you put it to rest or is it that you need to stay with it for a while and mm-hmm. keep working through it and keep working through yeah, it? Yeah, like so. like keep an eye on it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. uh, you know, you, I, there, there's a great line in one of the Black Company books mm-hmm. where Croker, the narrator, says something depressing and he goes, self-pity. Keep an eye on that, like to himself, <laughs> right? right? And, yeah. and I think it's kind of the similar thing here is is this anger. Keep an eye on that, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking to see that moment where she's, you know, she stops and thinks for a minute and says, you know, he was a good master. It was they really did have a strong bond between the two of them. And it it really had an impact on her and him, you know, for them to to separate. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. So and and I think Rosario Dawson played it beautifully in that moment. Cause mm-hmm. there's this little wave of regret and then there's this little wave of healing and and you know happy memories and there's you know with the pain of, of vader and you know all that has gone on 
it all plays on her face in just right. a real quick moment. It's just really sublime acting. So yeah, she's so excellent at Ahsoka. I mean, it's she's like she's I don't know who I would have cast as Ahsoka, but she wouldn't be the first person I thought of. Yeah, but I, probably because I, she's in so many nerdy part properties and so good in all those roles mm-hmm. that I'm like, how many more can she do? <laughs> but apparently, she, she could this. do them all. Yeah. We got a mention of Grievous, Ventress, and Dooku here. Nice, nice. Yeah. So we love I thought, the Holy Trinity. I thought you. I thought of you when I heard Grievous's uh, name called out. I like Grievous. I know. I know people have their beef <laughs> is, on this podcast, but I like Grievous. I think he's a fun addition. I think that thinking of him as proto Vader makes him a lot better right Mm -hmm. is that the emperor was toying around with this how do you restore somebody from near death and make them your your thrall and uh that's this that's this and you know i i've been thinking a lot about vader which is you know how there's that thing going around how often do you think about the roman empire yeah i don't understand that when i never think of the roman empire (laughs) um yeah me me either too much i think we might have talked about this on second breakfast we did my whole week is bleeding together okay so um my Roman Empire is what if Anakin had not been uh, dismembered okay. and what if he had been Darth Vader in all his glory. Okay. And uh, that's one of my Roman empires. I think I have a few on my on my nerdy stuff. but um, And really, I think that he would have overthrown the emperor sooner. Mm-hmm. And he might have actually attempted to make the galaxy less evil. <laughs> I, think, I think he was dark to his core when he was vader but i think that he still wanted to be light at his core he just had no other choice i think he felt trapped as vader mm-hmm. i think he felt like he had been forced into a role mm-hmm. that he didn't want and once he had committed all these horrific acts he felt like he couldn't escape it and it was only when his son gave him an out that he took it mm. that's an interesting theory I think I think I read somewhere and somebody write in and correct this lore. I think I read somewhere that um, the suit actually made Vader really susceptible to force lightning, making huh. him very susceptible to the emperor. R- was that uh, an emperor? Was that like something an intentional that the thing? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is he knows that Anakin is at his core stronger in the force than him. How does he keep that from over overpowering him? Because we know that Palpatine, I am way off course here. Palpatine no, you, this is, is your way. Your way in the zone here. This is Palpatine perfect. is not a strong adherent to the rule of two. He pretends right, to be, right, but right, he's right. not. Right. He really wants to live forever. We see that through the cloning and whatnot. And I, I think really what his goal was was to have a permanent rule of two where he stayed and he would, you know, shuffle through apprentices as needed. Mm-hmm. So he, it's, it's he has a track record of using people. Right. Right. Exactly. Threw him all away. Threw Dooku away. You know, kill him. Right. As soon as as soon as Dooku is uh, dismembered by Anakin. Right. And um, yeah, I think that the suit was. I, I think the suit. Honestly, you know, we talk about that Obi Wan took the opportunity for a full Vader to exist away from Palpatine. Yeah. But he also gave Palpatine the gift of superiority, permanent superiority over Anakin. Hmm. Interesting. Wow, you have been thinking deeply about this. Is this. my Roman Empire? This is my Roman Empire. I think about this all love the time, it. which I is love it. stupid, but it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, you gotta you gotta check out. You know, you gotta let your brain uh, uh, sort of seek out its own creativity. Yeah, uh-huh. so that's uh-huh. pretty good. That's great. Besides Ahsoka constantly messing with Huyang during this whole thing, 
<laughs> which was mm. really great. That was a lot of fun. I'm thinking we should maybe play Alicia's voicemail now since sure. it has to do with Ventress. Let's Ventress it up. And let's go. Here we go, Alicia. I haven't listened to this yet, so I'm excited to hear Me what either. she has to say. Hi, Alicia here. Another strong episode of Ahsoka for me, though they have a lot of ground to cover in the finale. Um, one of the highlights of the episode was absolutely the first live-action mention of my favorite character in all of Star Wars, Asajj Ventress, the bad bitch with the moral compass as gray as her skin tone. You've definitely heard her name dropped by this pod and your Star Wars animation and book friends. And her potential debut in live action has been hotly debated on the Discord on multiple occasions. But step one, she's been acknowledged by one of the big shows. The character Ventress was originally designed as an antagonist for episode two, Attack of the Clones, um, with the name Juno Eclipse. Thankfully, her name was replaced with the much more badass Asajj Ventress. But sadly, she was also replaced in that movie by Count Dooku. So they ended up slotting her into the 2003 non-canon Clone Wars micro-series, which is an awesome introduction because absolutely every character looks cool in that art style, even Jedi Shaggy, the Scooby-Doo character ripoff. But yeah, Ventress is a Night Sister, so appropriate she's name-dropped on this Ahsoka series, but she's had a rough road, even for a Star Wars character. She was taken from Dathomir as a young child to be a slave, and then her master was killed by pirates, and uh, she was taken in by a Jedi, and they became the self-proclaimed protectors of the planet they were stranded on until 10 years later, he was also killed by pirates. And then Ventress turned to the dark side in anger, offing local warlords one by one, captured and forced to fight as a gladiator at one point. So when Dooku showed up, uh, the guy who took her role in the prequel trilogy, she was happy to become his student. I won't recap the Clone Wars, but yeah, she goes through a bounty hunting phase, loses her dual red sabers, her allegiances waver, and then Dooku genocides her night sister sisters. So she grows out her hair, gets a new yellow lightsaber, and teams up with fallen Jedi Quinlan Voss. And she ends up falling in love and sacrificing herself to save him and turn him away from the dark side. Now, I know John and others often say this did her dirty, and I get it. She unfortunately died before all the live action shows going on right now are set. But I don't think we need to retcon her Dark Disciple book death to get her in live action. Voss made sure her body was returned to Dathomir, and it's implied that she at least became a force ghost like most of the Night Sisters. And you can check out some of my wilder ideas involving, say, cloning and Palpatine on Discord. But, of course, they could just have her turn up in a show and earlier in the timeline if they set one before the, or during the Clone Wars. Though the head writer of the animated series Star Wars Resistance, which is set after Ahsoka on the timeline, um, he said that if the series hadn't been cancelled, it was going to feature a lightsaber duel between her and Kylo Ren but he gave no context on how that would have happened. For now, she's been mentioned in Ahsoka, so when and Quinlan Voss was also name-dropped in Obi-Wan for his work helping Force-sensitive children escape along the path. I'm going to put on my clown face makeup and pretend this means we'll see their love story in live action soon. She's at least gotten more acknowledgement than Bo-Katan's sister and Obi-Wan's great love, Satine. So I'll take that as a win for now. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Alicia. John, what do you uh, what do you think of uh, that Ventress lore bomb there? I, I thought it was great. I also 
would love to see them retcon her death because uh-huh. I don't know. I think she was set up for an amazing journey post Clone Wars when she finally did lean into this gray force user thing. Right. Where she really saved somebody from the dark side. She abandoned her pure dark side ways and she was doing something new. That's interesting to me. And just when her character got the most interesting, they killed her. And that's why I think she's done dirty. Not because you should never kill a character, but because you finally made her her peak level of interest to me. And then you took her away right away. Right. Right. When she started to get some, I don't want to say agency, but like started uh, developing into something more fully. Yeah. Yeah. And and we get more dimensionality to her and more what's the, more import and impact on the storyline as opposed to just being a, a mustachio twirling you know two right. D uh, villain, right? Yeah. Let's what what are these other various ways to use the force or you know mm-hmm. the, as the night sisters use magic right or what is Balin searching for what other things exist out in the in the ways of the force that aren't codified by Jedi and Sith. I agree. I think that it would be great to see more about other force cultures besides the Jedi and the Sith. For sure. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Alicia, for that. And let's fingers crossed that they do just straight up retcon or death. I mean, you got to get a name drop first in a live action, right? (laughs) So... Once Dave you do Filoni that, is not above retconning, so no, we've, no. we've learned that. Let's just let's just do it. Let's He's, just do something cool, Dave. Yeah, come on, you and me. Do it. Pull Put it. your cowboy hat on and let's let's go rule a cool. Let's go. Okay, so next we've got uh, whales jumping into mines and then hiding into the debris field. I felt this was very Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, it's just got yeah. you know big vibes back. But, you know, and, you know, I'm on record for really hating on when they in the animated stuff when they just shamelessly recycle the sound effects and the plot points. And oh, in the same universe. Yes. Yeah. I'm over and over and over again. Weird hang up on this. They yes. because <laughs> it's just, oh, God. Anyway, this did not bother me. It, it felt fine. It was an echo of uh, Empire Strikes Back, but it didn't feel like it was, it felt like it was still its own thing, even though they were kind of playing with the, with the trope. Yeah. I mean, I think that what made it more unique was Thrawn having a plan about it, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, also, was, was this where Thrawn learned about her? I think this was about where Thrawn learned about her master, right? Yes. Yeah. Which was an amazing, amazing moment where he, you could hear that, you know, that sound effect on TikTok. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I don't know if I know that one. um, Well, anyway, he thought to himself, oh, shit. Uh This is a wild card. Yeah. I can't plan for this. (laughs) But yet he does. We'll get there. He does in the only way he can, right? Yeah. He's he's doing best best of the worst options. Right. But then he knows what the options are. So uh, he can play in for that. He can say, okay, we're, we're going to play basketball now as opposed to playing football, right? Okay, so at least I know the basic rules that this player is going to be operating by. So I have a, a realm mm-hmm. of choices. I think just, again, that's telling the story of Thrawn as this brilliant strategist and tactician. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, she's, gonna, she's this kind of person. This was her master. I now know my strategy. So let's try some different tactics to see what we can get, what kind of right. results we can get. So. I think part of, I think the main point of his plan is hurry up on that loadout, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, exactly. we are running out of time here. We are 100%. on a deadline. 100%. Yep. Before we end, the, the next topic up is the is Thrawn and the Night Sisters, but I just want to 
quickly close out a couple of things on the uh, debris field here. That's a huge debris field and it's super dense. So that to me, and I'm, I'm applying real world logic here, and I know Star Wars logic doesn't always um, equate, but that would, the, the space whale population mm-hmm. has to, would have to be so huge and with such a long history as a species mm-hmm. for those rings to have that kind of density of, of whale debris. So it's yeah. just a lot. Yeah, Yeah. but I think that's right. I mean, I I think you have hundreds of thousands of years for these whales flying to this planet. Because otherwise, it doesn't make sense that hyperspace, hyperspeed travel Mm -hmm. has been around so long when they learned it from the whales. Right. Right. I think there is a long and storied time here. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it works. Um, Did you see the little space shrimp flying around outside the window? (laughs) Oh, yeah. When her and Hu Yang are sitting there talking. There's little space shrimps. I put a picture on the Discord uh, of so the, not uh, not the S cargo, a different different <laughs> space shrimp. <laughs> yes, different different space shrimp. Okay. Um, but then, lastly, we kind of have to talk about Ahsoka using the Force to call Sabine. Mm-hmm. You up? You know, she yeah. sort of sends her a little text yeah. there. She's like, uh, kind of, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm a little bit up because I have a tiny bit, tiny bit of Force sensitivity. Yeah. yeah. So. I think that's what people are talking about, right? Is that this proves that at the very least, anyone can receive a force message and mm. send a force message. Okay. Because she did she did call back. Yeah. Yeah. And she could see her. So mm-hmm. the line was open. So, and I'm just wondering, well, we, oh, we'll talk about it later when we get to the Sabine and Ezra stuff, because I think there's some more overlaps there. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we can talk about Thrawn and the Night Sisters. <laughs> back. Okay, let's talk about Thrawn and the Night Sisters. Are you feeling very is this Thrawny? Are we getting the the Thrawn mm-hmm. vibes? Are they hitting um, the blue dabudi dabudi? Oh, there you go. There's a good yeah. song for you to make. Yeah, there you go. Um yeah, no, I'm I'm really liking Thrawn. He feels scary, he feels planned, he feels strategic, he feels cold. Exactly how we need Thrawn to be. Helps that we have the same voice actor as Rebels, you know. Yeah. It's it's the same performance, it's just live action. And I think he is selling the physicality of Thrawn too. Like you mentioned, subtle face acting, the moment of finding out that she was Anakin's Padawan, mm. really great subtle moment of Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. But in, in the way that, in the way that anyone else would have been like, oh, come on, like he like really show their hand. He's just like, okay, here's my plan. Mm. He, he kind of, crosses his eyes for a second mm-hmm. like the 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 vibe crosses past his eyes you know flashes his eyes for a second and then he goes right back to business and goes right back to what he does and that was a great character moment i thought mm, i'm gonna have to go back and actually uh, watch that scene actually i think that's a that's a good he's a very subtle like turn mm-hmm. where he's like mm-hmm. you know yeah like, we're, we're an audio <laughs> podcast but I, I moved my head quickly. Just watch the scene. <laughs> Just watch the scene. So th- this is something that I thought about today was how many people actually know that Anakin became Darth Vader? Is that like common knowledge? I think does maybe Thrawn by this know? time. Maybe by this time. I don't think people knew at the time of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I think Luke kind of made that common knowledge. Okay. 
I mean, Thrawn would know, I would assume. Sure. Or or and he would have and or he would have figured it out. Yeah, I think I I look, I haven't read the Canon Thrawn book, so I can't speak to it literally, but I think based on the fact that he was an admiral in the Clone Wars and then the Imperial era, he would have put it together, like you right. said. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Morgan talks about the inquisitorial database. So the Inquisitors have a database and they're keeping of they you know, they have files on people, but it's like a named thing now, right? It's mm-hmm. a, you know, I don't know if they're going to do something with it, but it, it makes sense. It's just a little nugget. Yeah. So this whole question of uh, good use or a waste of resources. Some people were debating this thing. On the one hand, he's like, uh, you know, we don't need to, you know, it's fine. We don't need to pursue or, you know, waste resources on the pursuit. And then he sends two squads of night troopers out and a whole bunch of them get whacked. And he's like, oh, I think we're good. You know, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's enough. You know, is, is again, are they telling the story of Thrawn using his resources well and to, to good effect? And was that a waste of, of night troopers mm-hmm. when, when they've set up in the, sh- in the universe that, hey, you know, we've got limited resources here. Well, and what's I, his central strategy right now? To get out of the galaxy as fast as possible. As fast How do you do possible. that before they get there? Slow them down. Slow muck them down. Yeah. Right. Tie them up. Those are not those. Those troopers were never coming back. They were sent <laughs> out there <laughs> to, to make sure that Daddy Thrawn got away. Right. And if Balin had not gone off on his own mission, Thrawn even says, "Well, they may they, they may stand a chance mm-hmm. if uh, the all of all of the forces on the table are there yeah. and engaged in the battle." Yeah, they may actually carry the day. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good call. The Jedi are very good at hiding. <laughs> he has such cutting takes on on. It the was Jedi. great. I mean, it's true. But also, why are they very good at hiding? Because, because you made them. So d- yes. don't, don't use that as an insult, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so I froze the, uh, I did a, a freeze frame on the schematic of the Chimera of the hold. Mm-hmm. There are, well, what they showed us, and who knows if this is uh, accurate, accurate, but there are 108 of these coffin-like things being placed aboard the Chimera. Yeah. It is very coffin-shaped. I noticed that too. I, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Maybe it is a Night Sister thing, a weird yeah. Night Sister thing. Would be great. I mean, is is that a um, Maroc kind of? Is that what Maroc was about? Was some sort yeah, I don't of- know. He was pretty gaseous. Yeah. So, you know, are these some sort of Maroc-like fighters that are in stasis and they need to be brought back to our galaxy to be awakened and Do you used? remember when everybody thought Maroc was uh, Ezra? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's so long I ago. I thought that that was a stupid idea from the beginning, and I'm glad that I stuck to my guns on it. Yeah, yeah. No, that so was- Listen people- to episode one. Listen to episode one, and you will find me- Saying, <laughs> I, don't I don't know if you get Ezra. internet points for that though, just because that's just such a base level assumption that it can't and be yet correct. it was everywhere. Right. I'm getting, you know what? I'm taking some. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think you know people. We just want to make connections, and we're all, we're always looking for patterns. I mean, that's what our human brains are really good at. Is, is, and that's uh, what Star Wars patterns. is all about. A lot of the time, exactly. is everything's cutesy. Hey, I thought Markley in in Foundation, you know, that's was, true. Uh, which one of you is obsessed with Markley? That, <laughs> that will ring in my ears forever. It's like an so earworm. Good. I loved it. Yeah. It was, I was heard. Somebody heard me. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about Thrawn or the Night Sisters? Directly? Not really. I, okay. I'm I'm really excited to see where it's going. But I cool. think right now we we've got the motivations. We've got his vibe. That's about it. Right. 
All right, so let's switch over to Sabine and Ezra. Uh, what do you think about? Are they? Are we going to get through this whole season without Sabine paying a, a little bit of a price for her no, stupid people no, no, no. decisions? This is gonna. They, she's gonna tell him at the worst moment, or he's just gonna find out. He's gonna be like, "Wait, why is Thrawn saying mm-hmm. good to see you again?" or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, also, I got to say about the scene. Really glad that the actor playing Becky from Foundation is getting more work. I think that she did a great job <laughs> over there. And uh, what are you talking about, the here. Howler or something? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what <laughs> about Sabine's force sensitivity? I was thinking that there's something developing there because if Ahsoka was able to, you know, make a call and it was a sure, she was yeah. actually o- open up the line. But then I was also thinking about this when Sabine was fighting. The nomadic marauder guys. Mm-hmm. She was using her forearm armor. Oh, what's the name yeah. of the forearm armor? I forget. Anyway, the best um, car. Yeah. No, no, well, but the yeah, what I the piece is called. Yeah, the yeah that they have a name and I can't remember right now. But so she was take She would take a shot with that, or she would turn her shoulder, mm-hmm. or something like that. And so a blaster bolt coming at you is really fast. And we always talk about well, how are Jedi able to yeah. use their lightsabers to deflect them, right? I think we've seen they're some using Mandalorians the force. do that, though. I think we've seen really? Din do it. In she the was doing a lot, though. Well, but he's covered in a lot more armor. Yeah, yeah, but they but they're both Beskar. They both can take blaster bolts. No, but, well, so I think the the point is is that there are times when Sabine is actually flinching. She's pulling her arm up and taking the blast mm-hmm. in her forearm intentionally. Yeah, and when a Jedi does that with the lightsaber, the whole idea was. They they're anticipating, right? They're feeling mm-hmm. the thing coming at them. They're using the force to go, okay, here's this thing coming at me and I got to block it and I can block it this way. Yeah. So what I'm arguing for here is that Sabine's use of the force is growing and mm-hmm. she's actually, and that is demonstrated by the fact that she's actually able to uh, deflect a lot of these shots that are coming at her. So. All right. All right. I mean, it's I a theory. It. It's a theory. I buy it. I mean, we we got more confirmation that she's force sensitive this episode with the the whole talking. Yeah, to exactly. Couple of things here too. And we got a mention of Endor. We got a mention of the Dead Emperor. We got a mention of mm-hmm. Zeb and Hera, we, which we know is as a fleet commander. So Zeb got name dropped. I saw he saw a comment on Reddit that was like. Zeb carrying the CGI budget over in, <laughs> over in the trading recruits. <laughs> right. Do you think we'll see him this season? No. I don't think so. I either. think it's over. Yeah. I think they're... What, what a shame. They're, I, think they're, I think we're going to see him somewhere else and, and with some other stuff. I think they're laying track for him, but I don't think we're yeah. going to get him here. It would be... They'd have to get back to the other galaxy and then something else would have to mm-hmm. go on. So I don't know. Too, too little time to go back to the other galaxy by the end of the season, I right. think. And then just to have him show up, you know, deus ex machina style and say, yeah. hey, I'm here. Yeah. Ezra's reaction to Sabine as a Ahsoka's apprentice. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And <laughs> and she did train in front of him with Kanan. So mm-hmm. and then he backtracks. He goes, yeah, well, that makes sense. You were training before. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you did you catch the whole mocking the. um the way that uh, the emperor was dead. Yes. yes so the emperor is dead. That's, that's what, what people, people say. say. It was great. <laughs> really good line there. Yeah. Definitely mocking the sequel trilogy a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. poking fun at it. Yeah, totally. That's yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about Balin and Hattie for a little bit. I'm a little confused. Um, he's cutting her loose. 
Mm-hmm. What do you I think make of he that? He gave her until some kind of point in his journey to uh-huh. see it his way, and then he sent her free once she didn't. Your ambition drives your direction. My path lies in another. Yep. But that's what what I didn't get is that he kept saying, "Well, you're you're being trained for something bigger, a, a higher purpose." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess he was trying to train her for that. I, I think that's what happened that. here. And then she's just not; she's too gummed up with wanting to be right in the new the new empire to be you know yeah to have right. I, I think he saw that by the middle of this episode. Right, he was just like, "All right, I, you know what? We've done a lot of work together. You mm. keep losing lightsaber fights. You keep you keep just diving in head first and missing the plot. He, she's missing the plot. Right? Is that right. that's the point? Is she misses his main point, and you can't train someone who disagrees with your central philosophy. Mm-hmm. So he's right on that point. It this is a little bit like dumping someone and then leaving them on the side of the highway. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're in a different galaxy. Are you kidding? Right. Well, he says, "Go join your place in the new empire." Yeah, that's which fair. is what you want. That's fair. So will she make it back in time? I guess that's the question. Yeah, she ran. She rode off on that howler. So I'm um, mm-hmm. Becky. Not very good. Uh, yeah, we'll see what the, her reception is when she gets back. Because if Balin's not with her, you know, is she tainted by Balin or or is Thrawn going? Because I don't think Morgan would take her back. They didn't like each other to begin with. I think Thrawn will take any tool he can get. Right, and he'll and he knows what that tool is and the limitations of that tool, and he'll use it for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll send her as an assassin. Fine, yeah. and and if she gets whacked, she, it's fine. Right. Right. He knows. Disposable tool. She gets no intel. She gets the targets. That's it. Right. Impatience for victory guarantees defeat. So. Indubitably. All right. So let's talk about the big battle. There was a lot uh, to unpack here, even though it was just a a big action scene. Mm -hmm. We definitely have confirmation that the naughty are what they are. That's that's, uh, who they are. We have um, Ezra and Sabine and their individual fighting styles. And there's some stuff to be talked about there. There's the Ahsoka Balin duel, and then there's Ezra and Hattie. Some yep. stuff to talk about there. So overall, what did you think of this big set piece? I thought it worked really well. I thought it worked really well. It it tugged all the right emotional beats. I liked how the Nati had shells for their shells. That was that was a lot of fun. I liked how Ezra Right, it was really consistent with their physiology and yeah, their, yeah. You know, their lifestyle yeah. or however you want to say that. They are very hard-footy. I think you pointed that out in another episode. <laughs> and uh, I really liked when Ezra made the one Nati close the door with Becky with him. Right, yeah. You know, with the Howler with him. So that Howler is now like BFFs with them. So Yeah, the Howler <laughs> the Howler's listening to Sabine for some reason. Yeah. She spent 20 minutes with it. And <laughs> it's a total, you know, for, for a younger audience, that kind of stuff plays. Yeah, yeah. That's the fine. slingshot and the little things. Me. It didn't bother me because they used it judiciously and they used it where it made sense. It wasn't well, the slingshot, gratuitous. That was Ezra's original weapon in Rebels. Oh, I was wondering why some people mentioned that. I, I yeah. forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that was the nod of, all right, well, they're not force sensitive. I don't have any weapons for them. They don't really want to do that much harm anyway. What could I teach them? Yeah, I know how to make a slingshot. Yeah, he probably had was having fun, like, hey, let me, hey, kids, let me yeah, show yeah. you, you know, and entertaining yeah. the children in the idyllic right. village trope, right? right? <laughs> so, uh, very, very Western, uh, sort of harkening back to the, that old trope of circling the wagons, mm-hmm. you know, when the, when sure. the Nazi all circled up. So I figured that was a very felony sort of thing to do, given the, the circumstances. His cowboy hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I want to talk about Sabine's fighting style here a little bit. She, this is the first battle where we see her using simultaneously Jedi and Mandalorian fighting yeah. techniques. She didn't really switch like she did in the mm. last, um, like in, in the last episode, she's fighting the bandits, but she does like, there's a point where you can see it switches. She exactly. stops using her Mandalorian gear. Yeah. Because they're but, too, they, they, yeah. they're, she's not making any headway with the blasters. And then she goes to the saber and she makes headway. So, which is, this is exactly what Kanan told her to do when he originally trained her is stop trying to fight like a Jedi fight like you mm. use the dark saber, but you be you. You're right. And, um, Ahsoka maybe didn't see that. Maybe mm-hmm. Ahsoka was like, I have to teach you the ways of the Jedi. You have to learn that purely before you learn something else, which there's something to say for that, right? I mean, you know, when you learn a martial art, you're not going to want to mix the martial arts until you know what the distinct ones do. Mm-hmm. And and maybe I would that's guess what it might be similar in music, right? If you're going to mm-hmm. learn a particular style, learn that style, and then later you can play you know, you can fusion it if you want, right? You can mix it, but you got to understand what it is at, at first. Right. So. The same with anything, learning a language, whatever, yeah. whatever, put anything yeah. in there. Uh, you want to learn one discipline first, but I think that and then would, jazz it up. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, maybe not jazz it up if you're already in jazz and you got to get to a different <laughs> thing. Exactly. Anyway, I think that Sabine finally is feeling more comfortable in her skin mm-hmm. as a Mandalorian Jedi. I mean, she skewers the hell out of that final yeah. uh, boss nomad guy, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. At the same time, she's doing the 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 what do they call it, gun fu or whatever, the fighting with gu- the okay. the John Wick style, okay, where you yeah. like punch yeah. somebody with the gun kind of thing. So right. it's like hand to hand, close quarters, hand to hand gun fighting. I've so. still never seen a John Wick movie. I gotta we gotta do that on a, an old man movie or something. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Uh, I've I've seen parts and pieces of them. Okay. Um, they're extremely violent to to like another sure. level of like it, it becomes unreal. Uh, okay, at this other level, you're so high on the spice. I don't know. <laughs> do you ever eat uh, Szechuan peppers, Szechuan style yeah. food, and you get high off of the? It's it's pretty spicy. Yeah, yeah and you get to a point where that you're beyond pain, and you're just sort of like Ooh, you're floating around. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like watching a John Wick movie. Yeah, maybe for a for a monthly movie. I'm not going to call it an old man movie, or maybe we'll collaborate on this. What if we did a high violence mm, movie thing? Interesting. Where yeah, we did yeah. like Kill Ultra. Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all the Clockwork crazy violent stuff. Yeah. Mm. I think that'd be a fun month. Yeah. Interesting. I just wish we had more time to watch more shows and talk, talk about them. I know. Well, if <laughs> you're wondering what we're lives. talking about on Second Breakfast every month, our Patreon exclusive podcast, we watch one movie and that is voted on by our patrons after a selection process between us. So. This month we did, what did we do? I forgot already. The, the Andromeda, Andromeda Strain. Yeah. 1971. Yeah. yeah. Michael Crichton. Yep. Next month we're doing horror movies for uh, for Halloween. So that'll be fun. Anyway, yeah. back to Star Wars. Yeah. So what did you make of Ezra declining the lightsaber? I, I thought it was stupid at first. Uh-huh. I really did. I thought I was like, oh, come I on. I kept waiting this. when they were doing the fight, when they dismounted. I'm like, give him, the, just give him the lightsaber. God right. Just it. shove it into him. Right? <laughs> exactly. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I I thought so too. But then once we started seeing his fighting style, I came around to it Mm -hmm. because it was really cool. It was very unique. And it's interesting because the other person that we know is very good at fighting with the force without a lightsaber is Ahsoka. She defeated an Inquisitor without a lightsaber. Mm, Right. 
So I don't know. Maybe they're drawing a connection there. Maybe they'll bond over that in some way. Mm -hmm. We'll see. She did give him a big hug when she met him. Did you, um, I I don't know if you appreciated my joke or not at all, but Ezra, the last airbender. Yes, I do like that. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Are you an avatar, the last airbender? No, I'm not. It it missed me. I know the style. Yeah. I just know of the the property. It it was, uh, it came out when I wasn't interested in that kind of stuff for the moment. No, I watched the whole series. It's really good. Right. Yeah. Yep. The force is my ally. That's all I need. Of course, he does pick up a blaster later on. <laughs> yeah, <in the> exactly. <laughs> that so, and a few bolts. Yeah. Right. I was a little disappointed by the the night troopers. I thought they'd be a little bit more of a formidable force. They just seemed like regular uh, stormtroopers yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, how many elite warriors do you need though before the people going up against you are just? I, again, I don't think they were sent there to win. I think he probably sent them. Maybe it was know, the the reserve. It was the B team. Yeah, exactly. Not the, not the best of the best. Yeah, it was the night shift. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the what night, 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 uh, night, night trooper means. I did like seeing the those low altitude uh, transport in live action. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that, cool. Those sort of I kind Loved of um, think of those as like uh, helicopters, like we might say of a, a Huey or an Apache. Right. It's you uh, just spin your lightsaber like an Inquisitor. <laughs> Thankfully, no. All right. I still think that's one of the dumbest things I ever did in animation, 100%. but it's all right. It was animation. It was fine. Yeah. It, it, it works. Okay. So Balin and Ahsoka and their little duel. What did mm-hmm. you, any, any thoughts about that sequence? I did like how she ended it, but mm-hmm. other than that, it was a little bit, I thought, I thought it, it felt like it interrupted the main thing okay for a little bit for a little mm-hmm. bit i was like can we get back to ezra and sabine mm. you know mm-hmm. all what right you think um i liked it and i it, it breaks my damn heart every damn time mm-hmm. when we have these great scenes with ray stevenson and we i just know that we're not going to get any more it, it, right. it kills me because there's this no they're going to use ai I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't Please do don't that. do that. There's this look. Uh, there's these looks that they exchange. There's a there's a look that she gives him uh, yeah. after they have their first little engagement. And she's like, I got you this time. You know, there was in the first battle, she was like, oof, this dude's hitting hard. I don't know if I got right. him. But she gave him a look like, no, I, I got your number now. Uh, even yep. though it's going to be a fight, like, I, I know you're not going to kill me outright. Um, but then later... He has this look when they're saber to saber. It was just so exquisite. Uh, I, I don't know what other word there is to describe it. Just the, the energy and the emotion that he has, I, I just, it kills me. It, it really, really saddens me. Yeah, he's doing an amazing job in this series. It is very sad. I mean, I like the character. I kind of want them to recast and I kind of don't. You know? Yeah, right. I don't know I don't who's going to. anybody else who could do it, but I don't want to let go of the character. Yeah. So she uses two sabers this time, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And we got her in the training scene with Anakin. He was she was using two sabers. Mm-hmm. So I think again she's more fully embodying who embodying who she is, and her style is two saber fighting. Right, right. Elsa has come down from the frozen tower. She's letting it go. The and then just right at the beginning of the duel, there's a little doo 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 
sort of the gunfighter sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, showdown thing. I thought that okay. was really great. And then there was these great drums in the background uh, building up the tension. So, yeah, Filoni was having a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I think you know, so. Reaching into his Western and samurai uh, movie traditions. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, stuff up. he kind of did that in Mandalorian with that, too, with that yes. kind of sound effect. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that that's carrying over into other. I still hate the word Mandoverse, but Mandoverse shows. OK, Hattie and Ezra, they have a little set. I thought that <laughs> when she gave him a little haircut, that cracked me up. <laughs> that was perfect. Like, come on, man. <laughs> He's like, he's like, I spent so girl. long growing this out. I know, ten years, right? I haven't had a good trim in, in so long. That's the first <laughs> thing you do is you cut my hair. Well, she was aiming for his head and like missed because yeah, you know yeah. he's got so much hair. And then when Ezra's bending her lightsaber, that was very cool. Whoa, that was wild. He's like, that I've been practicing. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah, his fighting style, even though he's really strong. She still knocked him for hard one and yeah. like damn near knocked him out. So she's not underpowered. Is right. she like at the same level as Ezra? I don't know. I mean, you can still get knocked back even if you can punch, right? Like mm-hmm. that's I, I I don't know if there's anything we can take from that as far as power levels. I think that um because what what is he gonna do? Push back? This is gonna push her away. Right. We and we were talking about this again on the Discord today. About this idea of uh, this is, is this the first time that we're seeing an unarmed fighting style that uses the force? Well, well, Ahsoka, but that's in a book and in a Tales of the Jedi episode. Right. So in animation, this is a really cool thing that they're opening up. And then Ahsoka uses some unarmed combat uh, style on Hattie mm-hmm. when she shows up as well. So I like this. A, a lot of people were excited by this idea that we're opening up the space for, and again, as we were talking about before, different kinds of force users. And it doesn't yeah. have to be Jedi Knight stuff, right? It yeah. can be like a more martial arts style. Yeah, I like that we're getting more variety in combat styles for sure. All right. Well, I think that's about it. I mean, other than Ahsoka offering to help uh, Hattie and she like ran away. <laughs> yeah, she's like, um, no. No. Because <laughs> I don't think she trusts anybody. Clearly, she ended up with Balin because she was in a vulnerable position and yeah. he gave her a way out. And he saw a potential in her. Right. So she only trusts the person who brought her up. And now even he's betrayed her. So mm-hmm. he's abandoned her. So what is she going to do now? Who does she trust? She doesn't that's trust anybody. That's a good anybody. point. Yeah. That's a really good point. She's the wild card now, not just Ahsoka. Maybe yeah. maybe here's what I'm betting for the season finale. Uh, Shin is going to be the one that messes up Theron's plan. Not Ahsoka, mm, not Ezra, not, not Sabine. Interesting. I think that I think Balin has fucked off, and he's not doing anything more with Thrawn. <laughs> I don't think he cares what Thrawn does. No, I don't he know. Doesn't. Take over the galaxy. Don't take over the galaxy. Whatever you want, man. I'm going to break the wheel. Right. Right. Last little comment, Thrawn. What a rare sight. Just like the Jedi of old. Yeah, he's a collector. Well, we know he was a collector. He had like that office of trinkets back That's in right. Rebels. He's collecting experiences now. All right, that's the episode, uh, the penultimate. Sure uh, we have one more to go. I don't mind, you know, make the show with streaming. One of the things that we get is we're not tied to that advertising structure, not only in number of episodes, but in the way that an episode plays out, right? So this was about a 37-minute episode. Mm-hmm. They would have stretched that out to an hour, you know, with yeah. ads and everything, yeah. you know, in the old days. 
So, you know, take your time to, and, and put in the number of episodes that work for your story. But I almost feel like a, a lot of what we're getting in the, in the television uh, Star Wars ones are six and eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Give me 12 or, you know, Andor went further, but that's Tony Gilbert. Andor went to 12, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a different thing, right? But I'm like in Obi-Wan, Book of Boba, Mando, this. Don't give me more Book of Boba. No, no, no. That's but I'm okay. saying I'm, I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, total number of episodes in a season, you know, or give me the seasons faster or something. I don't know. I just feel like I'm getting a little shortchanged. I, I want a yeah. little bit more breathing room. You know? Then again, sometimes I'm watching a Wheel of Time episode that's an hour long, and I'm like, okay, this needs to get to the point, right? At a certain point, because I, I think that you know, there's a balance, mm-hmm. right? Especially with density of material. I think this stuff I could watch for an hour, and it doesn't phase me because it's less dense. Mm-hmm. Wheel of Time, Rings of Power. I think you need to. I think that would do better as a longer episode, longer number of episodes, right? And a and shorter, shorter episode per yeah mm-hmm. time per episode. Whereas what I would love is, is I don't know, nine, 10 episodes in this. I don't know. You know, at, at 37 minutes, whatever, that's fine. But I just feel like, oh, you know, the season's over before we even started. So Let, let's put this on the Christmas second breakfast when okay. we evaluate the, that's uh, a good, the yeah, year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Talking about episode time, run times and, and episode numbers. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, let's get into some feedback. Sounds good. I see... Your spouse wrote it. Wrote it. Yes, or she told probably me. Spoke it. Yeah. <laughs> she, we were talking about it uh, after the last episode, and she ended up going down. This was after episode six. She went down a, a little rabbit hole one day, and she was reading about how Hayden Christensen and Rosario Dawson are in real life friends who knew each other from an acting class mm-hmm. that they took together. Yeah, and I, I, I saw that the other day too. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. I didn't realize that. I, I don't know a lot of the details, but my wife, she was like, "Oh, that's so cool! Like, this is really super <laughs> interesting. Like, they're really good, good friends. They're not just set friends, you know. They're really, uh, really appreciate each other." So I thought that was really a lovely touch to an extra little bit of something on the episode. Nice, yeah. And then I guess also Mary Elizabeth Winstead is married to Ewan McGregor. I didn't know that, so that, for that's, both of them. That's what she found out. So we've got a Star Wars family literally going on here. So, <laughs> How long until their like, baby child plays Yoda or something like that? Uh, hey, we haven't seen Jason in a couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even thought about Jason. Why, you know how, wasn't, you why know, wasn't Jason it, at the court martial trial? Jason <laughs> is my anti-Roman <laughs> empire. <laughs> right. I thought about Jason negative times since the last episode. <laughs> You know, I thought she brings him everywhere. Why doesn't, you know, why isn't <laughs> yeah, he Yeah, he just has to go to the space battle. Sitting with Chopper, you know, listening to uh, Senator Ziono give her the, the up, one so you, side you, up and down the other. You can come with me and risk your life, son, but you can't watch me get embarrassed. <laughs> right. You can't watch me almost lose my generalship. Yep. All right. Marilyn, our Pukila, our favorite Tolkien scholar and co-host on many a show um, on the Lorehounds here, she writes in. Says, hello, John and David. I found this episode fascinating and was glad to start delving more deeply into some of the characters about which I knew very little. The Night Sisters are very interesting. They call them witches and they use magic with a K. There are three of them, but there the similarities pretty much end as far as our stories and tales about witchcraft go. But more on that later. 
So did you think of Ahsoka and Sabine when Sabine yells at Becky Haller, go away, you betrayed me. Talk about projection. There's all sorts of abandonment and betrayal issues floating around in this particular show. Jedi or no, I have a feeling that Sabine will end up in the quote unquote world between worlds herself at some point, or else a similar sort of circumstance that will bring her to confront the things that have yet to be healed in her, chiefly abandonment. Imagine Sabine confronted by Anakin. I would also say that Sabine has some splaining to do with Ezra, hence her, please just let me be happy to have found you for a while request. Can I can I pause here? I Absolutely. want to say, yes. what about Sabine being confronted by Kanan in the world between worlds? Mm, that would be really good. I think that, that would, would be work poignant. better than Anakin for her. Right. We don't know who Kanan is in the live action, but yeah. Uh, right. But well, fair enough for and also watchers. Freddie Prince Jr. has said some disparaging things about Star Wars since. And oh, is, he, is that, that the Kanan's voice actor? Voice actor. Okay. Yeah. And right. So people aren't super happy with Freddie Prince Jr. Really? But, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, she continues, and I wondered about Sabine just heading out into the wilderness, riding a completely unknown beast into territory which she knows nothing about. Where is the safe food, the safe water, the safe shelter? Definitely a jammies and cereal moment for me. <laughs> this is a cereal-based show, I think. There are certainly some uh, points where you just got to yeah, grin yeah. and enjoy it, right? And it was the same thing in 77, guys. You know, I was talking about this the <laughs> other day. There are so many... People with, and I think you're included, David, with uh, nostalgia glasses for sure. 77, 77 and, and Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. If we gave it as much rigor as we do some of these other shows. Would it oh, you up? tear it apart. <laughs> the dialogue is horseshit for the, for the first and the third movie. Uh-huh. The second movie has some better dialogue, but even then you have some cringe stuff. I was just watching Empire Strikes Back a little bit the other day. And uh, this the whole interaction in the, in the hallway where Han's like, well, you're not even yeah, saying what what yeah, you yeah, mean yeah. about me. It's like so high school and just exhausting. And boy, I love those movies, but they they in a lot of ways don't age well. Sure. There's some dated uh, gender norm issues mm-hmm. there for sure. Yep. Han and Han was a not a great guy in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think, uh, you know, so I, I'm happy to have people use the sound effects and vibe and, <laughs> and the Touché. settings of these movies to make better stories. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Marilyn continues. Magic with a K goes way back to Aleister Crowley, for, uh, who is around from about 1875 Mr. Crowley. Right, to 1947, an early ceremonial practitioner and all-around bad boy. He coined phrases such as harm none and do what you will. Uh, Mm -hmm. as well as love is a law, love under will, but interpreted them rather well, generously, let us say. He spelled magic that way too, with a K, to distinguish it from prestis... I can never say this. Prestidigitation. Thank you very much. In D&D, I can never never (laughs) say it. I I make a little smoke blurry thing happen, Uh, i.e. stage magic, shades of Mrs. Davis. Oh, she's pulling in Mrs. Davis. There you go. Uh, contemporary Wiccans, Witchens, and other pagans, eh, conte- say that three times fast. Contemporary Wiccans, witches, and other pagans sometimes use this spelling to describe their craft. John, do you know much about magic? Sure, I've read some, I've, I've read up on some of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, Crowley was super influential. He was, I, I don't think 
I don't think he was the one who founded Wicca particularly, but he founded like so many occult practices. I guess I should say he popularized them. He popularized the revival of pagan practices from, you know, ancient European practices and kind of brought it into a post Renaissance thing. Like we're discovering the mysteries of the world. Right. Now let me empty your checkbook. uh, uh, (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that a lot of people around him were, I don't know about Crowley. Sure. Sure. I think, I think he was perhaps more genuine than Mm -hmm. that, but um, I, I, I think that he, if you, the best thing you could say about him is he, gave people permission to be themselves in these traditions, right? Oh, that's very and generous of you. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling generous tonight. Okay. <laughs> very good. Uh Marilyn continues. Funny you should have mentioned triple blessings, uh, which is a reference to our foundation coverage. We also have here the echoes of a triple goddess figure with the three mothers, echoes of Matris and Matro, uh, Matrone. Oh God, I'm butchering that. The Reco Germanic societies <laughs> from the fifth century CE. Though usually the Wiccan practice, which focuses more on magic, generally deals with the goddess and the horned god. Sort of closer to the father, the daughter, and the son, although there's no mother involved in that trio. Right. So the father, mm-hmm. daughter, and son are Ur uh, mythology in Star Wars. Right. Yes, they are. They are the force embodied. Right. And they are real. The yet uh, we have confirmation in Canada that they are real beings mm-hmm. that Anakin and Obi Wan and Ahsoka met. Got it. Uh, she continues. Another way they echo our own planetary concept of witches is they're employing that ancient formula of women plus power equals evil. Really, an interesting mixture of invention with contemporary images and practices from our own planet. I'll be fascinated to see where they go with it. Interesting too, because we're um, we've been paused, but we've been talking and we've been reading and then talking about the Earthsea trilogy by Ursula mm-hmm. K. Le Guin, which the first three books primarily involve a male protagonist, even though the second book has a female protagonist as well. Who then, yeah? So the fourth book then pivots on that and then goes into the into questions of uh female power mm-hmm. um so it's uh it'll be interesting to re- i'm i'm interested to read more about it to s- sort of compare it to what we've got going on here with the night sisters yes me too i've i've done my reading for the first episode and okay. i'm enjoying it more than i did the first three books so wow i'm excited to talk about it okay. quite a lot more honestly like this is the first one that makes me go i need to go back and read this now huh okay it's a page turner wow uh, yeah, I, uh, anyway, I, we're going to save it for that pod. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to catch up on my reading and get to this place where it really starts to take off. Cause I do love the first three books dearly. And the fourth one was always, Hmm. So anyway, uh, but that is another podcast entirely. So if you're into the earth sea stuff, go check out our past coverage and we'll should have a podcast out in October, uh, covering the first six chapters of Tehanu. All right. Uh, Marilyn uh, continues with her email. I understand Nazi to be the planetary language, like Naboo, we have here two different culture species appearing to speak the same language in the same geographic area. So while the baby ninja turtles and the bandits appear to be different creatures, they're still both Nazi and speak Nazi. I don't know if we have confirmation of that. I, I think I think the well, I think she wrote this after last episode, right? Yeah, exactly. This so is I, I think this this episode kind of settled that debate. Yeah. So. Lastly, in touching on that famous quiz question we knew from the original Star Wars film. That Owen ran a moisture evaporator farm. So this was who is it who wrote in on this one? I want to say Eric F. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was Eric. F. I see it in the next thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look at that. Eric F is in our in our queue here. Um. So this was a thing about Eric F uh, wrote in about in previous Facebook um, uh, feedback because he needed C three PO to understand and speak the language of moisture evaporators, similarly similar to binary lift loaders. I understand. I don't know what else you can farm with such devices other than water. I think that's <laughs> how we must have known in seventy yeah. seven. You know, yeah, because Owen does say uh, binary uh, moisture evaporators. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, she settled that debate as well. Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, I will be. We will be very interested to see what you think. Uh, this. I know you had some comments in the Discord, especially around uh, Ahsoka and and sort of her healing around Anakin and mm-hmm. Anakin Vader stuff. So yeah, good stuff there. Okay, Eric F. Loremaster. Speak of the lore master and he shall appear. Hey guys, once again, Filoni has outdone himself. Each episode keeps getting better and better. At this rate, I'm subconsciously bracing for a letdown that I pray doesn't happen. Oh, don't do that to yourself, Eric. (laughs) Get a bowl, (laughs) get some cereal, put on some jammies. You'll be all right. You know, the series has already told you what comes next. A new hope. All right, I'm done. You even looked off into the distance on your screen when you said it. That was very good. Uh, are you are you attending the Ray Stevenson School of Acting? <laughs> uh, if I were only if I were so privileged, <laughs> as you thought, that was indeed Thrawn's theme from the Rebels. Right, we were talking last episode. Was that the organ music? Was that Thrawn's uh, yeah organ yep. theme? And yep, so confirmed. It's from Rebels, and doesn't quite match up note for note, but is almost identical. Okay, very cool. He continues, a couple of things that I found interesting. First was the name of Thrawn's captain, Enoch. He shares this name with a man in the Bible who is believed to have defied death, right? John, you had uh, Mm -hmm. covered a bunch of this last time. The Bible says that Enoch was no more for God took him. Many theologians have interpreted this to mean that Enoch did not die, but in fact was alive and walking with God in heaven. He literally defied death. Also, Enoch's mask was very different from the other troopers. His strongly resembles a golden funeral mask, which was placed on the faces of dead soldiers to preserve their identities. In fact, all of the trooper armor bears resemblances to ancient Roman armor, with it being repaired by infusing broken pieces with gold. So we talked about this with the Japanese practice of of a similar Mm -hmm. thing. Something that the Roman legions took from the, here we go, from the ancient Japanese. Uh, you would think we would read these ahead of time, but we don't. I would. I usually just cut and paste them into the document and move right. on. So you got to get our hot takes in. You that's know? right. Uh, I would equate them. Yeah, we want to be fresh when we read these, right? Yeah. I would equate them possibly to the lost Roman legion, a legion of troops from Rome who disappeared in England around 120 AD and were never seen again. To this day, nobody knows for certain what happened to them. Sound familiar? Like Thrawn squads? John, there's a lot in there. Anything about Enoch you want to throw in additionally? Pretty much touched on all the things I said last time. Yep. Okay. I, I think that there's something there for sure. I hope we actually get to see uh, the face of Enoch at some point. Right, yes. It's, what's his it's name? From, yeah. Who's, what's his name again? West Chatham. West Chatham. West Chatham. Chatham. Yes. And so I hope I hope we get to see Wes. I met I, Wes. Did I ever tell you that? Oh, no. I met him at, uh, at Dragon Con. Oh, once. okay. I went cool. to Dragon Con in Atlanta and he... And I think Stephen Strait is the the Holden. Yes, mm-hmm. they both signed my book. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Cool. I heard they're nice guys. So they were very nice. Yeah, yeah. They talked to me about the production of the show. Actually. Oh, cool. 
they told me about all the lenses they're going to use in season four because that was a new season. Anyway. And you nodded right. and smiled oh, no. and said, thank you very yeah. much for the signature. And, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I like this Lost Roman Legion uh, poll. That's a very cool. Yeah. We'll see where that goes. It does have a, a very Lost Legion vibe to it trapped out in another galaxy. Yeah. Uh, continues. Finally, what if this series is all set up to uh, set up for the next movie or movies? Question mark. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear now. <laughs> that's where we're pointed at. What I yep. mean is, I don't think that we've seen the last of the world between worlds in Rebels. Mm-hmm. A Sith master, don't recall the name, referred to it as the link to the past, present, and future. This was demonstrated when Ezra heard voices from the past: Yoda, Obi Wan, Qui Gon, Anakin. Present, uh, Ahsoka, Kanan, Jerris, Chirrut, Imwe, and Jin Erso, and future, Leia, Rey, Ma- Maz Katana, Kylo Ren, Poe. There could be more, but that's what I caught when I rewatched the episode. Interesting. I didn't catch all of that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, me either. I mean, there. that's cool. That's cool, and that that's makes wild. sense. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we definitely know that Filoni's pulling threads in a particular direction. He's he's really the- Filoni, uh, baloney all day. It's the, he's the showrunner, right? Right mm-hmm. now. He's the Star Wars showrunner. So, okay. As always, thanks for the hard work and dedication. Loremaster Eric F. Loremaster Eric F., thank you for your yeah. dedication and support for this podcast. Uh, I always love the feedback. Yes. And I always love feedback from a Loremaster. Mm-hmm. All right. Last up, we got Chris D who used the contact form on our website. It says, hey guys, your conversation on the name of Enoch and the significance of the name made me think. The book of Ezra, mm-hmm. all about the return of Jewish exiles back to Jerusalem years after they'd been conquered by the Babylonians and their temple destroyed. Mm-hmm. Ezra is a priest who is involved in the return to Jerusalem and oversees the rebuilding of the temple and formal reestablishment of the Jewish faith and temple hierarchy. What if our, you see where this email is going now. What if our Ezra is meant to come back from exile and rebuild the temple as it were? Good poll, Chris. This is a good email. I like this. That is a good question. I wonder, see my, my only hesitation of, of going with this theory is that I don't think that Dave Filoni could have known that he would get this far in the story <laughs> at the beginning. Like, I don't think this part of the story was planned okay. at the beginning of Rebels when they would have named him. I think that more likely is that he was the guy who brought back the good guys to Lethal. You know, he was the savior of Lethal in the end. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and that, that happened in the finale of Rebels. And he restored, um, you know, the governorship that was not imperial. He restored Ryder to the governor. He got right. his right he, resigning. Yeah. I I think Azani, I think that's sorry. probably more likely the original intent, but I really like this application, so I'm gonna say this is canon now. <laughs> Very good. You've been canonized, Christy, sanctified by <laughs> by uh, Saint John of the Lorehound. I think it's a really interesting poll. And this is what I love. I you know, we just did our season wrap up for the foundation series on Apple TV. And we had our friend Anthony, who is a uh, academic, and of course, Marilyn, who's our favorite Tolkien scholar and, and academic as well. And they're pulling Hittites and Sumerians and, you know, uh, uh, Norse thunder gods out of this stuff. I mean, where else do you get great polls like this except for on the Lorehounds pod? I love it. It fits right in. There you have it, David. You do. And there you have it for our coverage for this episode. Uh, one more to go. Mm-hmm. So one uh, way re- out. Rem- uh, yes. <laughs> Don't make me cry. 
Reminder that you can send feedback to starwars at thelorehounds.com. Head over to our website. There's a contact form and voicemail uh, feature there. And you can always throw stuff on the Discord, which has been hopping. Lots of good conversation mm-hmm. happening over there. Links for all of that stuff are in the show notes. It's more crowded than the asteroid field. Ooh, that's a good one. Field. I like that. That's yeah. That works. There you go. Boy, we are just coming out of our triple coverage of uh, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. of Wheel of Time, and Foundation. Yep. And Wheel of Time and Foundation, sorry, Wheel of Time and Ahsoka are like ending <laughs> next week together. I know. So it's going to be- We're going to breathe be, again. Yes, exactly. And then we have a lot of stuff to catch up on. So we're going to, What's our? do we have some ideas for what we're doing in October? Definitely going to do a Silmarillion stories. Okay. Definitely going to do Second Breakfast, of course. Yeah. Um, I know we're, I, I'm planning a one piece, one shot with Moses. Good. You are planning to do something about the creator. I yes. Think? The movie, the creator, Alicia and John, uh, mm-hmm. John and I were talking about getting something done for that. Uh, lots probably of good can. reviews on it. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to do something collaborative with Alicia on the new Mike Flanagan. Yep show uh the the fall of the house of usher yeah so that should be good yeah and then you were doing loki so you yes. have that every week <laughs> yes <laughs> yes we do uh we're fingers crossed it, it's looking uh, we're hopeful we are hopeful after the debacle that was i, I wish you all the best thank on you that so show. much thank you so much <laughs> are you guys going to get a lorehounds play in do you think Yes, actually, I didn't mention that, but we are going to be doing that for October. We're going to do Skyrim. Okay, and I think we'll probably compare a, a initial notes on Starfield as well. Okay. Because hit, Starfield I've, is getting I've played some it. of it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Brandon probably has played some of it too by now. And if not, maybe he will by then. We have a channel too uh, on our uh, Discord for just game conversation stuff on, mm-hmm. called the Lorehounds Play. And uh, yeah, who is it? There's uh, several people in there talking about... Uh, Starfield, and yeah. they're having a good time with it. Hey, did you ever get Baldur's Gate 3 working? I did not, but I didn't try again. I, okay. I hit that first wall right. of the loading screen, not getting past the loading screen on the Mac, mm-hmm. and you had met, sent me something, and I was like, no way. It was like 9.30 at night. Yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. way I'm doing that. I just sent it to you because I came I across it. it. But Yeah, um, yeah. so we, we were mulling over maybe live streaming. If you can get it to work and you like I'm sure game, live streaming, you, me, and Brandon, and maybe a fourth party doing uh doing the campaign as a D group yeah that'd be fun that would yep. be uh, definitely taking fun. audience suggestions for uh <laughs> for the choices <laughs> and whatnot the dialogue options the roles yeah i have to see how this plays because i have no idea how they get the D around the table rolling dice feeling into a video game that seems like an incredible you click on the feeling. dice and it rolls it's great it's great they do the check and then they add your modifiers for you right underneath which has yeah. always been the promise of a uh, virtual tabletops Right. And it's always, oh, I get so exhausted trying to set up virtual tabletops. It's exhausting. No, it actually works, though. It does it automatically. Very good. So, over on our other affiliate podcast, Properly Howard Movie Review, Anthony and Steve, the theologian and stand up comic, walk into a podcasting studio and they talk about movies. And the theme of their season right now is remakes. And we just had, what do we have? We just had The Wicker Man. Just had the Wicker Man, I believe. Uh, they already did the Departed, so yep. I think Cape Fear is next. Yeah, I think that's. Kind I don't of know. Subscribe Monday. to the feed. There will be something funny on there. <laughs> they did RoboCop. <laughs> the yes, these are all re- you know different versions of remakes, and it's a lot of fun. It's a really interesting conversation. A lot of pop culture nonsense and silliness. And the real trick is you don't have to have 
seen the movie or even like the movie to enjoy the podcast. That's I think it's hook. it's almost more fun when you don't watch the movie because you hear this terrible retelling of it in a comedic <laughs> nature. It's <laughs> exactly. really fun. It is. It's yeah, really fun. It really does work without having seen it. So yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen most of these movies and I've listened to most of these podcasts and I'm having yeah. a great time. So uh, Alicia on the Wool Shift Dust feed is had to do some recalibrating. There was some IRL stuff going on as well. They moved the Dune movie to 2024. So that threw her schedule off because she's doing a big 360 on Dune, the making of Dune, the culture of Dune, the video games of Dune, all that kind of and stuff. The, and there's just not enough Dune to fill up until then. There really is not, John. I'm telling you, there is not. <laughs> I mean, the Wheel of Time, fine. You know, it's... you know. However many millions of words it has, <laughs> so I know, I know. Uh, but she's got yeah, got stuff going on. She's got a few projects in the pipeline, and she will be announcing uh, things there soon. Definitely going to do something with Fall of House of Usher and some other stuff. So just stay tuned to mm-hmm. her podcast, uh, to her feed, Worship Dust, for news and updates, and we'll be sure to update you here. Very cool, John, David. Since the last time we have recorded, hm. We have added two new lore masters. I know, to just, today, just today. Just today, the day we're recording. Either. Incredible. It was very exciting. And it was people who regularly contribute to Discord, and it's nice to see a familiar name on the, on the lore master list. That green looks good on their names, right? When I know, you, you were saying, yeah. you were saying. So would you do us the honor of reading these 32 names? Of course. All right, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Garrett C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, or end. I don't know why I'm saying or and sub zero. <laughs> well, and, thank you all so and, much. Wait, wait, wait. There's a 32. Are you looking at the right document here? Oh, Adrian. Yes. Oh my God. I'm, I, I totally skipped over Adrian. How could I? He How upgraded. I? Adrian's, Adrian's they, always in the Discord yep. and having a great conversation with us. So thanks, Adrian and sub zero for being our two newest lore masters. Yeah, they've been around for a while and, and just decided to jump in. And we really appreciate that. Thank you. Two notes, too. Um, if you, well, yeah, three notes, three notes. One, if we're reading your name on this lore master thing and you want to go by your nickname or your screen name, just let us know. And we'll, we'll happy to, to change that or vice versa. You know, just let us know how you want, want us to address you. So yeah, so there's two cool features that Patreon makes available. One is the seven day free trial. Uh, so if you want to just check us out, you can do that. And the other thing is, is that you can convert your membership to an annual membership anytime. So if that works better for your budget. Makes more Gives sense. Gives a little discount. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anytime. So, all right, John. Well, thanks very much. I am excited for episode eight. Same here. And I guess we'll see you on the Wheel of Time podcast. See you then. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. Hey. 
A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>